Welcome to the St. Andrew's Sunday Morning Sermon Podcast. You can connect with us online at www.gosaintandrew.com. Beloved, our reading this morning comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew. Now, the Gospel of Matthew can be a hard read at times, an uncomfortable read most of the time. Written somewhere between 80 and 90 CE, it was not the first gospel to appear, yet tradition places Matthew at the beginning of the New Testament canon. Why? Well, because primarily Matthew's gospel is a teaching tool. It touches upon almost every aspect of religious life. Matthew's gospel leans into this idea that faith and ethics intersect. Our faith, according to Matthew, has something to say about how we live, about how we behave. And honestly, that can make for an uncomfortable read. After all, it's like Mark Twain once said, it ain't those parts of the Bible that I can't understand that bother me, it's the parts that I do understand. This morning we find Jesus sitting with his disciples and teaching them a series of lessons in Capernaum, a bustling town on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. So let us turn and listen in to part of this moment and see what Jesus has to say next. Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35 from the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold together with his wife and children and all his possessions and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him by the throat, he said, pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me, I, I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay his debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to the Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. May God add a blessing to the reading of this word. 
As we do every week, I invite you to join us in singing our Lenten meditation. into our time of Lent. Our sermon series, The 40 Days of Forgiveness, is about understanding forgiveness, asking for forgiveness, giving it, receiving it, and growing all along the way. During this time of Lent, we look inward. We pray, we do good things in the community, we seek a deeper connection with God, and we walk together toward Holy Week and Easter. If you're like my son, you may have given up something for Lent. He decided to give up refined sugar and said his cheat day would be Saturdays. Well, my spouse, who's also a pastor, said, well, actually, during Lent, Sundays are considered little Easter's. That should be your cheat day. But we had just gotten home from the store. It was a Friday night, and he had bought four Krispy Kreme donuts. So he piped in with, well, I I mostly praise Jesus on Saturdays. (laughs) Touche, buddy. (laughs) Today's sermon is remembering God's grace. And the passage may seem very familiar to you. Although it is a well-known passage, there are a few things for us to look at today that may shed some new light on Jesus' words and how we go about forgiving others. The first word is brother. The second is, are the numbers 7 and 77. And the last is the amount of money mentioned in relation to our sin. Peter asked Jesus, how many times do I need to forgive my brother? Some translations use the word neighbor. Our translation, our NRSV today, said member of the church. But it's meant to be someone close to you, someone that Jesus is saying, you must forgive. Maybe the words member of the church work if you're in a rural congregation, a rural church where um, your church is literally full of your neighbors and your actual family. However, for us, A church of 3,500 who live from Longmont to Colorado Springs and online across the world, it's a little different, isn't it? 
Peter asks, how many times do I need to forgive my spouse, my child, my next-door neighbor, the fellow worker at the plant or in the office? This is personal. This isn't global forgiveness, and this, this isn't Facebook forgiveness. Now, hang in there with me. You know when someone makes you really mad on Facebook, usually it's a friend of a friend, and they comment on something and say something really ridiculous, and then you want to write back and chastise them, and then maybe sometimes you do, and then maybe sometimes you then delete it. Is that just me? I recently heard this essay on NPR by uh, pastor and author Naughty Boltz Weber. It was called, If You Can't Take In Anymore, There's a Reason, an essay on circuit breakers, empty buckets, and the shame show of social media. She talked about how her apartment's old electrical system um, wasn't set up for all of our modern appliances, and every time she plugged things in, she'd trip breakers. And she went on to say that our hearts and our minds were not made to know all the world's news, to process all the world's disasters. Our bodies were made to worry if there was enough food to eat through the winter, and maybe an elder in the village was ill, or, or maybe someone's child was taken by a bear and the village was grieving. It wasn't meant to hold every South American earthquake or tsunami in the Far East, or fires in Australia, because in the end, what's left of our hearts and our minds and our soul space? The space that we're supposed to give to a hurting friend or worry about the fire in our actual backyard. It got me thinking when I reread this passage for the sermon today. What if Jesus isn't telling us to forgive Hitler or Putin or someone who started the fires in Australia? Or take your pick. Just like the circuit breaker analogy, maybe our hearts and our minds are only supposed to forgive those in our village. That we can see each day. That for better or worse, we live with, we work with, we hand our children to, heck, our children. Does that make it a little bit more doable? This passage? My best friend, Verusha, I call her Vera, I met her my first day at FSU. She's half Ukrainian. Her grandmother, Babsha, was pregnant with Vera's mom when, along with her husband and two young sons, they escaped Ukraine during World War II. Vera's mom was actually born in the Black Forest somewhere in Germany on their way to the U.S., Vera still has cousins in, on the western side of Ukraine. For Vera and others you may know who have family in Ukraine, there will be a need for forgiveness one day. They will need to work through grief and tragedy, the violation of homes and schools and hospitals and workplaces. But for those of us who aren't closely connected to Ukraine and whose circuit breakers are overloaded with angst and fury over this horrible situation, have you seen the pictures? Maybe it's not for us to forgive. But we can still care and pray and give support to the Ukrainian people. On April 2nd, there will be a benefit concert at Arvada UMC for Ukraine. And many of our singers and musicians will be there performing. 
You can watch it online, but I hope we have a whole St. Andrew's section there to support them and Ukraine. Okay, let's go back to the passage and what Jesus said. Peter said, should he forgive seven times? Seven's kind of a magical number in the Bible. It means complete. So I'm wondering if Peter is asking, should I forgive a complete, a a finite amount of time? Jesus' answer is shocking. Not seven times, but 77 times. Seven plus seven equals, all I can conjecture is it means forever. Forgive forever. Keep forgiving. Now, I know I've talked about this in a prior sermon, but it bears repeating. When someone is harmed physically, psychologically, emotionally, or spiritually, forgiveness can look different. This kind of forgiveness comes with a long movement of debridement of a physical wound or an emotional one. There's counseling, there's grieving, there's healing, and maybe for both a perpetrator and a victim, and then forgiveness. We can quickly forgive, and that's certainly good for some wrongs done. But for the serious grievances, there's more than just a quick fix that's needed. I don't believe Jesus is saying we need to forgive a rapist or a murderer or an abusive spouse overnight and without earthly consequences. Each week, whoever's preaching meets with a group of folks to do a study of the scripture. And you are welcome to participate. It's at Mondays at 1.15. I missed you, Jane, this week. It's really a blast. We love it. We love to hear kind of the hive mind of what you're thinking and, um, and seeing in the scripture. We went line by line. This time we went word by word. One gentleman, for instance, mentioned the 77 part. Another woman said it took years of therapy and totally God's grace to forgive a family member. But she said that she then needed to forgive that person some more. And then a few years later some more for the same past hurt. And she said what I'd been thinking, that sometimes it's a process to forgive one another. And maybe the 77 times that Jesus mentions doesn't mean to forgive forever. Maybe it means 77 steps to forgive someone. We forgive as much as we can for now, And then we continue grieving. And then we work through the pain or the disappointment and maybe a few days or months or years later, we can forgive a little more. It's a process. Either way, whether 77 times means forever or 77 steps, it can take a long time. Okay, the third and final piece of our text to look at today is the money. The parable has ridiculous proportions of money loan. I mean, astronomical amount from the wealthy man and an equally ridiculous amount from one slave to another. No one could pay back the money loan to the wealthy man, and yet it is forgiven. Someone in the scripture class said it was the equivalent to two yachts and a helicopter. 
And in the scripture, it uses the word talent, which is um, an indescribable amount of money. So we don't know the exact amount, but, but Jesus was using it for effect. Lots and lots of money. Lots and lots of sin. On the other hand, almost anybody could forgive the hundred denarii that was loaned to the slave. It's, it's kind of like the equivalent to the two cents you give back when you get a Diet Coke at McDonald's that then gives you the opportunity to say, here's my two cents. Anybody else? You know I do that too, right? God is like the wealthy man who forgives us for not loving God as primary for doing harm to our beautiful earth, for doing harm to one another intentionally or not. God's forgiveness is lavish. And remember the ridiculous amount of money mentioned. It's meant to be so much. So I have a guilty pleasure. I haven't watched it for years. And if you haven't watched it, don't go watch it because your pastor said to watch it. But I love the Austin Powers movies. <laughs> and one of the things that just cracks me up is that Dr. Evil is sent from the 1960s into the 1990s. And he tells the world leaders he's going to do something awful if they don't pay $1 million. And the world leaders just crack up because, you know, that's a ridiculous amount of money, like small amount for a ransom, right? Now, in the second movie, which is really my favorite, again, don't go watch it. <laughs> Dr. Evil's learned that he needs to ask for more money, except now he goes from the 1990s back to the 1960s, where he asks those leaders for $100 billion, to which they crack up, because who has $100 billion in the 1960s, right? Poor Dr. Evil. So the wealthy man, or, or the heavenly father, as the scripture reads, forgives the likes of $100 billion to somebody in the 1960s, and yet we humans can't forgive a friend or a relative or a co-worker or a neighbor next door for the two cents left over at McDonald's. Of course God is miffed. Okay, that may be a little light. God is furious. The word torture is used. Did you hear him say that with like gusto? Torture in the parable. God forgives us big time, but we can't forgive others. Now, this passage can make it seem like every grievance of ours is tiny and unremarkable to God. And that doesn't feel very good. I haven't done anything really awful and... What if something really awful has happened to me? I don't think that's what this means. We personalize in America, personalize scripture so much where it's just us and God and not as a community. But get this, God forgives humanity as a whole for all the things we do to one another. Our trespasses, our sins, our debts to one another are usually a lot smaller than destroying the planet um, as humanity or humanity destroying each other in war. That's big forgiveness. That's worth two yachts and a helicopter. 
God does care very much about your hurts and your pain and your grievances and sometimes tragic grief. It matters to God. We're called to forgive and sometimes we can only forgive by the grace of God. And maybe there are a lot of steps in there. We're Christians and we love God and we try to love each other. So we do this together. Working through this pain, asking God to help us so that we don't carry around anger and compound already difficult situations. So how do we do this forgiving thing? First of all, I, we need to believe the premise that God really does forgive everything as far as the east is from the west. God forgives it when we truly ask. And if you believe that premise, then it comes to you and me. And we need to believe it and work on forgiving ourselves for the things we've done. Truly, I think one of the main issues with us forgiving others is that, number one, do we really believe that God forgives it all? And number two, that we can't forgive ourselves. I remember so many callous things I did and said to my mom. She's been dead a year and a half, but, and I know that she forgive, forgave me fully, and I know that God forgave me fully, but late at night sometimes I think of rude or mean or insensitive things I did, and I fear they may haunt me forever. Do you have anything like that that keeps you up at night? I'm preaching to myself here, but I think that praying for God to help us truly forgive ourselves is important. God, help me forgive myself knowing that you have already forgiven me and forgotten my sin. Now check back with me in a few months and we can see how we're all doing with this. Once or while we're working on forgiving ourselves for being young and stupid or rude and mean or maybe a little more sinister. We need to work on forgiving those in our own community, in our own spaces. Not Hitler, not white privilege in general, not all of us who made the big mass of plastic that's floating in the Pacific Ocean. No, work on forgiving your spouse and then not remembering it later during a heated conversation because you've already forgiven and forgotten. It's gone. Forgive your children, grandchildren, all the small humans around you that mess things up, that break things, that ruin plans, that ruin sleep, that aren't living up to the potential that you think they have. Forgive them. In our household, we need to work on forgiving our pets. <laughs> I'm serious. We have a half Rottweiler, half yellow lab. She can be lovely, but she can also be awful and scary. She's been to behaviorist therapists. We've been trained, she's been trained. She's on medication currently. There's a lot of forgiving that we do for our sometimes sweet dog named Joy. She's eaten two wallets of my spouse's. Put away under something. Yes. Now, I seem to be the only one that loves our Siamese cat, Cassius Stanley Boyd. Um, 
Kasha Stanley Hauerwas boy. I don't want to forget his last name. He's one and a half, and he is really something. I choose to forgive him because, gosh darn it, I just love him. He is a pain, but I love him. And maybe God thinks about us the same way. Just look at it. She's a pain, but gosh darn it, I just love her. Now they're not cute. Don't say ah. No. I think that is grace. I think that is God's grace. With some new understanding of this passage, I feel like it may just be possible to strive to love God fully, to learn to love your true self that Rev. Mark talked about last week, and to be about the work of continually forgiving those with whom you are close. How? Lots of prayer and maybe some therapy. Pray for God to help you see God in surprising ways. Pray for God to help you receive the full forgiveness that Jesus espouses. Pray for God to help you forgive you. Repent means to turn around. So turn around and go the direction of love and acceptance and forgiveness because it's been given. And lastly, pray for God to help you forgive those closest to you, to give you love and grace and mercy. Try to be the reflection of the love and empathy that you hope to receive. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. And if you'd like more information, go to www.gosaintandrew.com. See you next week.